Welcome to Lost Without Japan, a travel podcast about the life-changing experiences of exploring Japan and those moments we would be lost without. For your listening pleasure, allow me to introduce your very own Kanko Gaido, Michael. Welcome to a special Lost Without Moments bonus interview episode of the Lost Without Japan podcast. Our bi-weekly podcast is focused on getting you to Japan for your first visit or to make your next adventure to Japan an even better one than your last. Today's special interview episode is with Nikki, and truly it is perfect timing as we're transitioning into day trip ideas for Tokyo, as well as she's a great resource for the rest of Japan as well. This is your director of travel for TKIC Studio Productions coming to you with positive thoughts and excitement for your next journey to Japan and his own return trip in summer 2023. I'd like to thank you all for giving me a bit of your time today, and I truly hope this podcast finds you in a good place or on the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem at this moment. My belief is that we could all use a beacon like this one in our lives to help guide us during these times, and my hope is that Japan, along with this show, will become that for you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a returning Lost Without listener, thank you for your time and returning once more. For today's show, let me introduce a special guest and the founder of TokyoTours.nl. I must say, Nikki, that I am truly thankful for you stumbling across my profile on LinkedIn and for reaching out to the show. It's like some things are meant to happen. Just welcome. Welcome, Nikki. Serendipity. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here today. You know, just thank you so much, though, for setting aside time for the listeners and joining us today to geek out about Japan and just Yay. share, you know, like share everything you have to offer because, oh my God, yeah. It, you know, some of the things we're going to get into a little bit. I liked um, on your website some of the sustainability that you were talking about uh, for mm-hmm. your tours, some of the bespoke options. Um, your tours, you know, have a wide umbrella of things that they seem to cover across. Um, but before we get, you know, too far into those <laughs> things, it's here. Um, where can listeners of the show that are looking to book that trip that's coming up uh, in, maybe you have questions about your services. What are those websites or social medias that they could reach out to you uh, to, you know, inquire about that? Uh, well, I have uh, two websites, uh, Tokyo Tours, and Tokyo is spelled with an I, the Dutch way, not the American way. So tokyotours.nl or tokyotours.com. Uh, and there's options to uh, email me directly or on any social media platform. I'm at Tokyo Tours. And again, with the I, not with the Y. So uh, just drop me a DM and I will get to you promptly. Excellent. Excellent. And Nikki, um, I'm going to include um, all of that social media things in our show notes for today. So everybody, don't worry about writing those things down if you, you know, are driving or, you know, without a pen. Uh, it'll all be in the show notes for you. Nikki, I usually like to start our shows just letting you share just a little bit about yourself and just, you know, anything. It could be about Japan or otherwise, uh, just to let the audience know a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. 
Well, my name is Nikki van Ingenschenau. Uh, I am originally Dutch. In 2011, I was uh, living together in Amsterdam with my then Japanese boyfriend. He came to Japan as a baby with his parents. Uh, so he had basically always gone to Dutch school, always had Dutch friends, uh, worked for jo Dutch companies, everything. So after we were together for five years, he was like, well, how would you feel about going to Japan for like two, three years? And I said, yeah, sure, it's fine. Let's see if you can find a job. And I didn't really give it much thought. And then, um, yeah, a year in or something, he finally was able to get a job because the whole process of applying took so, like forever. And uh, so I told him, well, why don't you just go ahead and uh, go before me? Because I don't want us both to be out of a job if for whatever reason you have to come back. So he went there and then three months later, I joined him. And to be honest, my impression was, I mean, it's an international city. My English isn't bad. So it must be easy to find a job, especially with a bachelor's degree and a ton of experience. So I started applying for jobs and I was using my husband's last name because we had to get married for the visa. And everywhere I went, it was like, oh, so you're fluent in Japanese. And I'd be like, uh, no. <laughs> so then I would always get the response. Yeah, we'll call you and we'll definitely let you know. And I never hear from them again. So then I thought, oh, well, you know, Dutch embassy, I'll sit behind of the windows and just uh, hand out the passports. I'm pretty sure you don't need to be very well educated or know a lot of Japanese for that. So I applied there and they were like, no, no, you still need to be fluent in Japanese. So I was like, why? <laughs> and uh, then I was like, okay, I'm going to study Japanese full time, nine to five for a year, and then I'm going to be fluent. Uh, so I started doing that. And then like two and a half years in, I still wasn't fluent in Japanese, not to the extent that I could actually get a job and have like the business Japanese proficiency. So a friend of mine who is a flight attendant, she came over to Japan and I showed her around and told her all these stories because I'm one of those people, I get these earworms. So if I hear something crazy, then it gets stuck into my head. So I had all these stories and background info about Japan. And Dutch women are raised to be very independent and to have their own money and to, yeah, inside a relationship, it's much more equal than in um, other countries. So I was there and I had to ask for money all the time. Like, oh, I need to buy groceries. Can you give me some money? So it was super annoying. And uh, then my friend said, why don't you become a tour guide? I have no experience with tourism. I've never started my own business, let alone in Japan. So I don't know anything about the rules and regulations. How am I going to do that? And she was like, oh, well, if you're serious, just create a website, an email address, and I'll take care of the rest. So I thought, oh, this is going to be one of those times when they say, yeah, we're going to help you for sure. And then never hear from them again. So just to be on the safe side, I created the website and the email address and I was waiting. And then after one week, I got an email from someone like, yeah, I saw that you do guided tours. I would like to book you. It would be amazing, blah, blah, blah. So I literally fell off my chair like, oh, my God, I was so not expecting that. And uh, 
I hadn't prepared anything else. So I was just scrambling to kind of get something together because I mean, just showing a friend around is different than actually receiving money for it. So I was like, oh yeah, oh my God. And now I need to get into action and put everything into high gear. But in any case, and then six months later, I got an email from a girl, a Dutch girl, and she was like, oh, I see that you do guided tours in Tokyo. Would you consider hiring me? And I was like, uh, no, I've never considered that, but that sounds like a great idea. So <laughs> why don't you come and work for me? And then uh, I got involved with some of the travel agents, especially here in the Netherlands initially. And they were like, oh, do you know someone in Kyoto and Osaka and Hokkaido and here and there? And so I started expanding my emporium and uh, it was doing really great. In 2018, I was supposed to move back to the Netherlands because my husband had uh, found another job. Um, but that didn't go through. So I ended up staying in Amsterdam for one year and... Uh, I suggested to one of my guides, who's also Dutch, that had been working for me for quite a few years, would you consider buying the company from me? Because I think I'm going to move back to Europe permanently and it would be a waste that everything I've built up is going to end up like nothing. So uh, she said, no, that sounds like a horrible idea, but... I would like to become your partner. So would you consider having me as a partner? And again, I was like, no, never consider that. But that actually sounds like a great idea. So she's very detailed oriented and she loves lists and Excel sheets. And she gets totally um, occupied with that and just loves figuring that kind of stuff out and admin and numbers. And that's all the stuff that I don't like. So <laughs> we really complement each other well because I'm more of the creative side, big ideas, marketing, PR, sales, that kind of thing. And she does everything else. So we've been doing that since 2018 and then 2020 was supposed to be the best year ever because of the Olympics. And uh, we had to disappoint people like, no, we're fully booked. Unfortunately, we cannot um, um, do any tours with you. And then the first two months of 2020 is like, okay, Japan is going to close off for Korea and China. And my partner and I were like, oh, this is actually good because it means that our clients who are from the States and from Europe can just walk around freely without all of these uh, other um, groups being in the way. And then March came along and it was like, okay, no, we're going to close the country for everyone. So just raining down cancellations. So yeah, I didn't have any business for about two years. Yeah. So last October, finally, the country opened up again. So I had my ear to the ground and uh, I knew that it was going to happen. I just didn't know the exact date. So as soon as word came out, like, oh, Japan is going to open up, uh, I went online like crazy and started uh, uh, getting new guides and also asking my old guys, like, oh, where you're at? Do you still want to work here for me or what are your plans? So fortunately, uh, other than uh, like 
two or three guides, we were able to retain everyone and uh, hire some new people. So we're doing really well. And uh, yeah, it's going like gangbusters. So even better than 2020 was initially. So I'm very happy about that. So yeah, the, the business side is definitely going great. And 2020 was also the year that my marriage basically broke down. So, I mean, my partner, he was there like all the time and he was driving me insane. So I knew that he was cheating on me because he was always on the balcony texting. And whenever I came over, he just was like, no, 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 don't look at my phone. I was going back to Amsterdam with two suitcases a kid and nothing so yeah it, it was definitely super hard and I mean my daughter was emotionally not in a good place and uh, to kind of build back from nothing like you don't have a car you don't have any savings you don't have anything you come back into a house that didn't have maintenance for 15 years so yeah it's been a struggle but I mean at least the business is going well so um yeah every day i just try to look at the bright side (laughs) and look at the positive things and if something doesn't go the way i want then just see it as a learning moment and seeing like what can i pick up from this and what can i do to not get into this situation again so yeah Nikki, you might have a different story than um, a lot of others, uh, you know, that mm-hmm. have been on the show, because a, a lot of the people that I've interviewed have had some sort of like longstanding um, interest in Japan or, you know, yes. they had something that they had that connected to. Was mm-hmm. Japan even like on your radar prior to your moving there or um, had it been? Not at all. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um... Yeah, no, I, I was uh, doing online dating. I was doing, I had this job where I was doing customer service. So if I didn't get a lot of calls, the day would be super slow. So I was just scouring online for dates and just trolling for guys. And basically my only, the only thing I really thought was, does this guy have something that will capture my attention for one hour? And I saw this guy and he was like, oh, he's Japanese. Oh, I don't know anything about Japan. I've never even met anyone Japanese. So he must have an interesting backstory. So why not? So I had lunch with him and uh, he was really into me and seemed to really like me. So I was like, well, you know, I'm 29. I'm not getting any younger. (laughs) Maybe I should just go with it because if I start fooling around for another 10 years, I will miss my window and I will not have the fairy tale life with the white picket fence and the Labrador and the two and a half kids. So, uh, yeah, maybe it's better if he likes me more than I like him. So I didn't really have anything with Japan. It wasn't a particular interest of mine. I never really read up on it. Even when I was moving to Japan, I knew nothing about it. I didn't know the language, anything. So it was really like that movie, uh, Lost in Translation, standing there like, oh, okay, so I just want a carton of milk. Uh, There seemed to be like 15 (laughs) different ones. Which one is just regular cow's milk? Is that too much to ask? Can't I just put milk on there? What's the big deal? And I would come home with something and it would be soy milk or something or rice milk or whatever. And like, ah, oh, 
You had perfect timing. Let me tell you, Nikki, couldn't have asked for more. We're actually, one of our uh, reasons we're doing Tokyo is uh, the Lost in Translation movie. And we're going to be covering actual locations from that movie that are still like open um, yeah. and you know, like where you can go to. Because one of my things that my son and I want to do the most is mm-hmm. to go to the New York bar and share a drink together. You know, like where where Billberry sat. I found like shirts that are super similar to the orange camo ones that we're going to flip inside out, go get our pictures taken, you know, geek out, have oh, fun. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be amazing. For you, like when you make it back to Japan then, because like you said, this was not like on your radar before then. After living there and coming back again, I'd be interested mm-hmm. to see like what are kind of like your go-to like meals or locations that if and when you go back that you oh, want to yeah. actually hit upon. Oh, well, definitely I need to eat jakiniku because that is like the most amazing thing ever invented and i mean i know it's originally korean with the barbecue meat and i've been to seoul and i can tell you you need to get korean barbecue in japan because it's like a whole different level and there's this one place that does avocado kimchi that's just divine uh i can just eat that all night long and not even um, look at the meat but obviously also the wagyu meat and uh yeah the sukiyaki of course and uh there is in asakusa uh you can take a river cruise and uh, there's this harbor office where you can get the tickets for the river cruise and then on the other side there is this amazing uh kaiten sushi place like the the where they go around but the quality is like insane so if i want to get the same quality for i will pay a few euros per plate there but i will need to go to yamazato restaurant in the okura hotel in amsterdam to get something even remotely similar to what i can get there so yeah those are definitely places that i have to visit that might sound strange but the best place to get italian food outside of italy is japan yes because there's so many people that went to france or to italy to study the cuisine and um the level of workmanship uh, among all these chefs is just insane. It's off the charts. Now that I'm back in Amsterdam, I'm never eating pizza again because it's just horrible compared to what you can get in Tokyo. I'm I'm ruined for life. <laughs> so, yeah. I agree. We were talking a little bit before we started recording, and that's one of the things that I'm saddest about is that there was a gentleman that ran his restaurant in Kyoto that we stumbled across. It closed down. And that was one of the things that oh, was like one, no. of, one of my favorite places. We went there. I, I went there like twice. I wish I could have gone there more. But the first time I <sighs> went there with my group, we were just going to go for a meal and we were going to go back to our place. We stayed for three and a half hours and we must have had like five or six different like servings of different things. And I think we would have kept on eating if the gentleman was like, I need to close. Like, and, and we're just like, so. Well, actually, in Kyoto, they have a special way of uh, letting you know that you're no longer welcome. 
So in Kyoto, at the end of the meal, they will give you a cup of tea, and that is basically your fuck off tea. Yes, yes. <laughs> so if they offer you another cup of tea, don't ever accept because that means we are considering you very rude to still be here after we giving you the fuck off tea. So <laughs> it's really time for you to leave now. We're just trying to emphasize that here with the tea. So yeah, a lot of foreigners are like, oh, more tea. Yes, please do. <laughs> and they're like, oh, these, these bloody foreigners. I can't right. get rid of them. That's right. It's like, <laughs> yeah. no, we don't still watch you. Don't you know what this means? <laughs> yes, come on, get a move on already. <laughs> and those that's important things to know. That is definitely yes, important sure. things to know. Um, we've kind of touched upon some things, but I do want to get into um, all the services and things that you have. Uh, oh, you, yeah, sure. Um, could you go ahead and I know on your site, I again, I'll have mm -hmm. links to that for you that are listening. But what are some of the different cities in Japan that you offer uh, private tours for? Uh, well, of course, all of the main cities on the Golden Route. So that's uh, Tokyo, that is uh, Kyoto, Osaka, Nara, uh, Hiroshima, obviously. So the and uh, Nagasaki, and then there's more off the beaten path in Takayama, Shirakawa, that that region, and uh, uh, then we have some people in Hakodate and Hokkaido as well, and a guide in uh, Okinawa. So if you go to the main Okinawa Jima, the main island, we have someone there as well. So yeah, we have all kinds of languages, all kinds of nationalities. I always tell my guides at the beginning of the tour, just take 15 minutes, get one cup of coffee, go over the itinerary again. And then the client ha still has some opportunity to say, oh, actually I was thinking this, or how about that? Or can we change that? And then you can take that into consideration. Our guides are all trained to to be very flexible and to, because everyone is different, every client is different. And one will maybe be super interested in history and want to know all of the dates and all of the names and everything. Or someone will geek out over manga or anime or like Japanese architecture or wabi-sabi or whatever. So all of our guys have their own specialism and preferably we try to get all this information beforehand so we can match the right family or right group with the right guide. But if not, then the guides need to make it work. One of the things I did like is uh, that you had a variety of languages to support people with. Um, yes. And that is something that I, I feel is unique. It's not every uh, mm. company has that ability. Uh, what are some of the other languages for those that are listening, um, you know, outside of my maybe, you know, like, you know, U.S., you know, populace or those within yes. Japan? Um, who, who else could you end up supporting, Nikki? Well, obviously Dutch, because I'm Dutch. But uh, yeah, that's the probably English and Dutch are the main languages. And then we have German, French, Spanish, Portuguese. Part of our audience are people from within Japan that are listening mm -hmm. to uh, the podcast just to get some things that they may not have heard of, um, or those people that have been to Japan a couple of times and want to get off of that golden route. Um, yeah. What could you offer someone that is returning to Japan that could end up making that next trip for them even more exciting than they've had in the past? Uh, well, we have a lot of specialty tours, so uh, we also have a guide in um, Kawaguchiko that can cover the, around the Mount Fuji area. 
and uh, Hakone and Nicole. Uh, we can also offer guided tours. And then there's Kawagoe and Kamakura. We have an amazing bike tour in uh, Kamakura. So you see some of the lesser known places in Kamakura and it's it's kind of a bit of everything. So it's not just temple, 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 but more of a eclectic mix of uh, nature and um, uh, a nice place to sit down and have lunch and some great views and some hiking. And so all rolled into one. Oh, yeah. Then we also have the hiking tour. So if you like hiking, then we can accommodate that. Also, except for Mount Fuji, we don't climb Fuji because it's just too dangerous. Uh, and just go with the specialized company that only focuses on uh, climbing Fuji. That would be your best bet. What are some things that somebody may not expect uh, that they end up getting from you? Well, first of all, we are very family oriented. So kids are free of charge and um, uh, like uh, teenagers up until the age of 18 will get a discount because we really support families and it shouldn't just be for couples or people that have a lot of money. So we want to make sure we can offer the same experience to everyone. And also, if there are families out there that have younger kids, we always try to accommodate them. Like, would you maybe want us to make the tour a bit more kids-friendly and include some uh, places that are particularly nice for kids? Or are you like, no, they'll they'll just follow along. They're okay with eating sushi and, and wasabi and they'll just do whatever we want to do. So we're like, yeah, it's up to you, whatever you want. So yeah, we definitely try to take that into consideration. And yeah, the bespoke tours, uh, I mean... I am a sucker for challenges, so tell me no and I'll get going because uh, no one tells me no. No one puts baby in the corner. So yeah, if you have some kind of weird request or special interest or something extraordinary, like I had a group that had their own restaurant business that wanted to visit the Wagyu farm where they have the cows, where they give the massages. During foot and mouth disease so i basically called every farm in the country and they were like fuck no yeah yeah <laughs> we're not gonna know what, what do you mean we don't want to uh, want our cattle to get sick so of course no so finally i was able to manage to find uh, one farm and get them the wagyu lunch and and see all the operation and everything and they had an amazing time so yeah, I sometimes get these really weird requests, or I mean, I shouldn't say weird, but out of the ordinary. So I really love that. And um, my partner, Stephanie, she handles all the mainstream stuff. And every weird request or every out of the ordinary stuff she throws to me. And then uh, I like to dig in and uh, really make it work and give people that exceptional experience that you will not get anywhere else. A couple of years ago, I noticed there was this company that focused only on ghost tours, but they got these horrible reviews every time. Like, oh, these people doing the tours are absolutely not knowledgeable and not showing any exceptional sites and blah, blah, blah. So I thought, well, that is that sounds like an opportunity for us. Uh, I happen to know a lot about Japanese folklore and about Japanese history. So 
So I sat down and I got the itinerary going and then I trained a few of my guides to really tell all the interesting backstories and take the clients to these really interesting places. So if you are into folklore or mythology or Japanese ghost stories or like uh, popular myths and um, crime, the Japanese crime stories, then you should definitely do the ghost tour because then you'll hear all about all these uh, crazy things that happened in Japan and are still happening. So, yeah. And Nikki, that's one of the things, um, you know, perfect lead in for us because we're going to be transitioning to Tokyo, like, you know, the portions of things. That ghost tour really caught my eye and like just, just a different offering. And one of the others was the off the main streets in Tokyo tour. Mm-hmm. And again, like my audience is a lot of them where they do want to get off that uh, beaten path for things. And your talk about like Nihonbashi or, um, you know, Ginza. Could you go into a little bit more about what someone might expect uh, on that tour? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, Ginza, uh, on first sight, it's like, oh, it's just this long shopping street with all the big brands. So why would that be interesting? But actually, if you go inside the department stores and go to the cellar, there's going to be two floors of just food. And most of it is just stuff that you can can just eat without having to prepare anything. So you can go there and just... Uh, grab a bag and go past the different um, shopping shops and just get a whole bunch of food and then go to a nice park and have a nice little picnic and taste something of everything. And another thing is that Japanese people really take pride in how they present their food. So even the salads are going to be stacked super nicely and they will have cakes that look like little works of art. So just walking around there is going to be amazing and you're more likely to meet anyone wearing a kimono around that area too. So if that's something you want to experience, then you should go there. Even in Ginza, there are like these special hidden little shrines that you have to go through this little alleyway and then to the left and to the right. And then suddenly there's this tiny little shrine or even on top of one um, of the department stores, if you go to the rooftop terrace, there's this one little shrine just around the corner. So those kind of places, if you've never been there, you're just going to walk past it and you're going to have no idea that that's even there even Ginza has a lot of uh, sushi places that are like crazy expensive to go in the evening because you'll pay like 300 dollars for an omakase dinner but a lot of the same places will have a lunch menu for like a tenth of the price so you can have like a similar experience of course the dinner is going to be more extensive and going to have more luxury stuff but Still, the lunch places are like amazing bargain. And if you want to try like the really, really, really good sushi, you should go to Ginza and go to one of these places. There's also a Tokyo Highlights Tour uh, for those of you that are short on time. And maybe you're coming in and you literally have the day. Like you're landing in, you know, Narita or you're landing in someplace in Tokyo and you have the limited time, but you want to make the most of your trip. That is a tour for you as well. It really hits upon different highlights and things, makes the most of your time and day. And I think you'd leave uh, not only super happy with your time, but also 
ready to plan yourself to come back. So there's so many more that you can end up looking for um, on there. Please continue to, um, you know, like uh, check those out and see what you have. It's really going to be worth your time. What is some of the biggest challenges you're facing uh, in your role, just like with the business right now? And how are you going about trying to tackle it? Uh, well, my biggest obstacle would be to find Dutch speaking guides because uh, there's just not that many people that speak Dutch. And a lot of our clients, especially the Belgian ones, because in Northern Belgium, they speak kind of like a dialect of Dutch. And those are usually kind of older people. They So they really want a Dutch speaking guide and not an English guide. Same for Germans and French people. They want their own language and they prefer not to have an English speaking guide. So yeah, getting the guides is the most challenging because we have the high season and the low season. So I cannot support the visa for people because I simply don't have the work for them in the low season. So um, yeah, hopefully uh, people will start to realize that Japan is also amazing in winter because it has amazing skiing and snowboarding yes. and onsen places and you can see the snow monkeys. Like Japan is really a destination you can visit 24-7, 365 days a year because every season is amazing. So don't just go there for the cherry blossoms, because actually uh, what people don't know is that the wisteria is much more amazing than the cherry blossoms. So there's uh, two parks that are very famous for wisteria, and you're going to be blown away by the beauty of these hundred year old trees. So yeah, cherry blossom is nice, but no, go for wisteria. And then there's also um, the moss flocks that is kind of like a tiny pink flower. So when they are blooming in Hokkaido or around um, Fuji, there will be this whole park and it will be covered in these tiny little pink flowers. And then with the Mount Fuji on the background, it's just amazing. So Japan is more than just the cherry blossoms for sure. And in, in, in autumn, the autumn leaves, of course, is super amazing. So, yeah. What is one piece of advice that you could give to someone outside of uh, your, you know, tours and things like that, that you might give to someone who is planning their first trip to Japan? Uh, well, do your research because there's lots of events that are either regional or they're only for a limited time. So really read up on that because you might be in Kyoto during the Gion Matsuri. So that's a, a very huge festival where people dress up. So you will see these gorgeous oiran, that's like uh, the, the ladies of the night, so to speak. So, um, but obviously they're just pretending they're not really, but... That's another thing. But in any case, so yeah, you need to know what's going on in your area, what the area that you're going to visit, because maybe there's a sumo wrestling going on, or maybe there's some kind of festival. There's like this really crazy festival in spring where there's two sumo wrestlers and they'll both be holding a baby 
and they're trying to make the baby cry. So who, whichever baby cries first is the winner. And that's just off the charts. So if you are there during that time, you definitely want to experience that. And then there's the fertility festivals with the huge, um, you yep, know, yep, yep. male members. <laughs> so to speak. So that is, a, there's so many weird and amazing things. So do your research, know what's going on. Because, yeah, you might miss some amazing experience if you don't do the research. Love it. And one thing I'd like to do is just kind of get back to yourself uh, just for a little bit and uh, kind of some goals and things like that uh, for your company as well. But do you have any favorite books, movies, podcasts, uh, YouTube shows or something that deal with Japan that um, that you would like to share just that you like and yeah there is one about the history of japan that's quite nice that goes really deep into historical figures and uh if you are a history buff like me then uh, it's amazing because i i love to really dig in deep and uh get some more background stories i think that's the history of the history of japan podcast i listened to that one as well i mean that is really really like in depth and it's a lot of fun you find out things you know you never knew about so that's it's it is it is yeah and then there's this other book about uh it's a fictionalized book but it's about the daughter of the last samurai so uh there's obviously all of the conversations are uh, fictionalized but all of the main events are based on history and it's told from her point of view rather than the last samurai itself uh, so that is a very interesting book. And lastly, there is this uh, movie on YouTube called Sakuran. And it's all about this girl who ends up in the um, brothel area, the Yoshiwara district. And they give some more background information about what was life like if you ended up there and... Uh, uh, what could you expect? But the thing is, that movie was uh, created by a um, female director, so it's super colorful. So even for the stylistic elements, it's amazing to watch, and the acting is really wonderful. The The main lady, she's half, so she's half Japanese and half something else, I forgot what, but she's really beautiful, and it's really nice to... Um, learn more about Japanese history, but in a very uh, kind of easy to process way. <laughs> Excellent. And so what are your goals for your tour company for like the rest of 2023 and, you know, beyond? Uh, well, actually, uh, when I came back to Netherlands, I had to find a job because I, um, I couldn't support myself with Tokyo tours. But finally, I'm back to... Um, being able to support myself just from Tokyo tours and I don't really have to do anything else. Uh, but the low season is coming at the end of the year. So hopefully we can uh, also get people interested to come November, December, January, February. Uh, so I don't have to start looking for other uh, freelance work to do. So... Yeah, let's see if we can make that work. And um, I'm right now uh, 
doing some interviews with some interns to help me with the marketing side of things. And of course, we just want to grow bigger and stronger and get more agencies involved. So if you uh, have a travel business, then let us know. Then maybe we can work together. We're always open to collaboration. So yeah, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> like it. I like it. And is there anything else uh, that you'd like to you know, share uh, listeners that we haven't discussed to this point so far? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you, uh, Tokyo is, is super big. Uh, if you take the greater Tokyo area, there's like 80, uh, 38 million people living there. And if you only take the city center of Tokyo, it's uh, around eight, nine million. So if you are getting a hotel in Tokyo, then you need to look at what area is, um, best for your needs so i wouldn't necessarily go to a place that's very atmospheric but i would rather go for a place that is easy to reach so shinjuku now <laughs> unless you want to go to mount fuji or something don't stay there because it's all the way in the west of town and there's not too many uh subways and trains so if you have to take the um, uh, yamanote line it's going to take you like 45 minutes to get to the other part of town. So, yes. Uh, yeah, around uh, Shibuya is, uh, sorry, around um, Shinbashi is great. Um, around Ginza is great. Toranomon, Atago, uh, Tameke Sano, those are all areas that are very easily accessible. And especially, my preference would be. Shinbashi number one because it's also easy to go to Tokyo Station and get the bullet train from there. Uh, so it has everything. It has lots of subway lines. It's uh, really easy to get through town. So if you can get a hotel in that area, that would definitely have my preference. Also for us as tour guides, <laughs> if yes. we have to, uh, uh, like if you are at the Oedo uh, line, it's going to take forever. And the Oedo line is also super deep. So you have to take like four escalators to even get to the platform. So if we know, like, oh, they're staying in Shinjuku, like, oh, no, <laughs> that's like <laughs> half an hour just spent on travel and you're not going to see anything. So you really need to take that into consideration th that you are on the Ginza line or the uh, Hibiya line is good. Um, but yeah, don't, don't go into the west of Tokyo because that's just awful. <laughs> And uh, for the for the plane ticket as well, if you have the option to fly on Haneda Airport, it is so much closer to Tokyo. It's like half an hour by taxi as opposed to at least one and a half or two hours by bus. I mean, if you are in Ueno, then maybe you can take the fast train, but it's going to be expensive. But still, yeah, if you can pick between... Haneda is also much smaller, so much easier to get through, as opposed to Narita Airport that has like three different terminals. It's super big. You don't want to... If you can go to Haneda, use that one and just spend a bit of money on a taxi. It'll set you back maybe... 7,000 yen or something, but at least you're going to be in town within half an hour. You're going to be tired already from the long flight. Just get to the hotel quickly. 
So there is a website that uh, just Google uh, JR Rail Pass Calculator, and you can uh, type in all the destinations, and then it will give you some advice on whether it's better to get the Rail Pass or maybe you should just buy single tickets because it's faster or cheaper or both. Make sure you look into that. And finally, if you plan on going to Universal Studio Japan in Osaka, uh, get the fast pass because otherwise you're not going to be able to see everything in one day. And also read up on the rides because some of them are completely in Japanese. So if you have no idea what you're getting yourself into and you're not familiar with the ride, it's not going to make any sense and it's just going to be a waste of time. And Japanese people don't do single rider. So do the single rider because it's going to save you so much time and uh, you'll be able to see so much more if you do that. Many people are like, yeah, we, we want to see the whole of Japan. And then I ask them, how, how long do you have? And that's like a week or a week and a half. I'm like, yeah. Uh, then you're going to spend a lot of time inside the train where you could just be enjoying yourself. So if you do not have a lot of time, just limit yourself to one or two places. I mean, Tokyo for one whole week is going to be amazing. There's lots of places around Tokyo where you can do day trips. So if you just have a week or a week and a half, for God's sake, either stay in Tokyo or in Kansai area, so Kyoto, Osaka, Nara, and just cover that area rather than try to go up and down because it's not going to be worth your time, I'm telling you. No, I, I like it. And just again, Nikki, um, where can listeners of Lost Without Japan uh, look to find you and uh, support your uh, business? Yeah, well, just follow me on social media. So Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me at Tokyo Tours. So Tokyo with an I, not with a Y. Dutch spelling and tours is T-O-U-R-S. Uh, that should be self-sufficient, but in any case, um, yeah. And then there's my two websites, www.tokyotours.nl or www.tokyotours.com. Both of them are in English and the Dutch one also has a Dutch version, but that's besides the point. Um, so yeah, and uh, you can email me, Nikki, N-I-C-K-I, at tokyotours.com if you have any questions. I also provide itinerary help, so uh, I can uh, help you with uh, like a totally custom-made guidebook that is specifically for your needs and has everything you want. What I do is a half an hour free consultation to get to know you and your needs and, and what you're into and what kind of food you like. And then I'll send you a couple of pages so you have an idea of what I'm doing. And then if you give me the green light, like, yeah, this is, I really like this, then I'm going to get going and you're going to have the most amazing Japan experience ever. Uh, Nikki, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for setting aside time today to speak with me. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And on behalf of Lost Without Japan and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for joining us today for this interview. We look so forward to seeing you on board again for our next regularly scheduled episode as we continue our discussion on Japan, travel, culture, and your Lost Without moments. To everyone out there, Oginki Day. Stay well, my friends.